Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Elliott, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Cagongo and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite. This week, we're talking about Frankie Villani, but first, Golden Hour. Issue 3 of Matt Price's magazine, Golden Hour, just dropped, so we've got Matt on the line to get behind the scenes of his latest project. So Matt, what, for the uninitiated, exactly is Golden Hour? So, the easiest way to describe what Golden Hour is, it's like, it's the perfect in-between of like a magazine and a photo book, uh, which it kind of like, I always wanted to like make a magazine or, or not even a magazine, but just print more photos in like kind of a, uh, I don't know, like a cohesive way. I don't know if that's even the right word. I think I, I wanted like to make something in print that was like what I would call a magazine kind of, but that felt very different from like every skate magazine and now i say every skate magazine like there's not just one it's thrasher so i guess basically the goal was kind of to make I, trans rules around when we started it but uh i just wanted to start printing you know a little you know a magazine book type thing with with photos that i thought were cool and, and had an interesting story and and uh i just we I, my buddy andrew who's my friend since childhood we used to have a website called skateaz.com that we uh grew up like he used, he's like a web guy like a web developer and a designer and he, he made that website and i used to shoot for it you know shoot photos and we put it on there when we were in high school uh we reconnected or we didn't reconnect we've been friends all the time but we reconnected like uh, in this way to work together again on golden hour and i just had all these photos from Portland that I thought would make a cool little book and I gave them to him and he laid them out and we really liked it and that was kind of how it started it was just uh just fully I like to think of it as like the, the photographer version of like people just like making independent videos you know it's like and people make zines yeah. and stuff but I, I wanted it to be a little bit a little feel a little nicer than like your classic you know I, I love zines and I love zine culture it's like all the DIY elements are really rad and like the, the style of it is cool, but I wanted to make something that felt a little bit, it was, it was like heavily inspired by like a, like weird art and fashion quarterlies from like Europe and shit. Like I'd, I'd go to, I would go to newsstands. Like when I lived in Portland, there's this rad magazine store and I'd go there all the time and just buy these weird mags I never heard of that just were like, I don't know if you know this mag called toilet paper. Are you guys familiar with toilet paper? Yep. <laughs> so that was like a, that, that, that mag was so cool and unique to me. I picked it up off the rat and I was like, what it felt so thin for 20 bucks i was like there's no way this is worth 20 bucks but then i looked through it and i was wait. like oh this is kind of dope oh wait hold up a 20 dollar magazine yeah in this economy <laughs> <laughs> no they exist no like uh well, matt you pretty really good i guess well you, I, I was gonna say that the 20 and that leads into a whole other part of this was my theory on starting golden hour was that like I don't know. It seems like no one wants to buy a $4 mag. Like, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure Thrasher's not making their money selling magazines. But I was like, and they print, you know, I don't know, whatever, 40000 or 50000 or something. That's a totally made-up number. But I'm like, well, what if I could print 500 or something and get people to pay 20 bucks for it? Like, there, I, I had a feeling there's this, like, smaller demo of people that would appreciate what I wanted to do and pay more for it. And that was the risk we took. And and it worked. It was uh, the, the first one worked, and the or first three have worked at that same around that same level. I think you you I think you made a good economic decision by going for that particular price point because uh, first of all, if you're paying twenty dollars for a magazine, especially from a newsstand, like you feel like okay, this is something that's gonna stick around. This is something that's gonna be on my coffee table. This is something that's gonna sit on my bookshelf that I'm gonna pull out every now and again for inspiration. Um, I love newsstands as well. There's uh, this one. Actually, there's a decent newsstand right off of Fairfax near Supreme and all that here in L.A. And um, that's usually like where I get the New York Times. And they have this great section of photography and also art magazines, but more specifically weird fashion magazines. Like there's this one called We Are Different. It's a bilingual French-English magazine, like fashion, art. I just like it because, first of all, a great way to keep up the French. And second of all, you could just get some cool ideas. Like somebody, you could tell there's a lot of care that goes into a magazine at that price point, and that's super evident. Um, and I guess I had a question for you is, you know, there was probably an option for you to do a zine, and you decided to go for something that really showed a lot of care and a lot of time. How long did it take to put together an issue of Gold Now? So, like, I'm really fortunate in in the way that I just, like, the things I'm good at are having uh, having ideas and taking pictures, right? Those mm -hmm. are, like, the two things I'm good at. I kind of suck at everything else, but I can, like, manage at a few of those other things. Uh, so I just literally had the idea, had the photos, and I said, hey, Andrew, do you want to make this? And he, my buddy Andrew, who I'm partnered with, he works in a lot of non-skate stuff. He's made, like, 
incredible. My, my favorite website of his that I always reference is, uh, you know, the magazine Marfa Journal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, designed, he designed their website. And if you go to their website, it's like, it's fucking nuts. It's the coolest, like, funnest, like, wit. He's really good at kind of, like, understanding the medium he's working within and being like, what can we do with it? How can we make it fun? And that that site, to me, is a great example of his, like, work. But he he's just really talented in that way. So I basically explained the idea to him. I handed him the photos and was like, put this together. And kind of the way each issue works is, like, he did 90% of the first layout, like, the first night. I think mm-hmm. he just got all got super high and stayed up till like five in the morning and laid it all out and then we and then after that we take our time because there's no rush for this we both have other jobs like you know it's very like when we when we find the time he he also has lived in berlin for this whole project he just moved back to the states last week but he's lived Wait, in what? yeah so we've been working like uh, very globally on this i guess so we kind of whenever it links up you know we can we can link up via uh the the zoom or whatever like but that doesn't always happen and we're pretty busy so so kind of like the first chunk of it like i'd say between the shooting the shooting took about two years for the first issue and then but then he laid it all out in one night and then we uh but that also wasn't like I wasn't shooting for the mag from the beginning. I just had all these photos. So that just at the end of this two-year period, I was like, oh, I should make something out of this. But from the time we decided to do it, we probably take about six months-ish to put it together. Again, because we talk like we really meet like once a month on it, you know. Mm -hmm. So if it was our full-time job, we could put a lot more of these out. But, you know, we kind of – we both like to work slow and take our time on it. But as far as like the – the, the amount of like care and work that goes into it as far as like how how many times do we go over it right like i go over it we order like a printed proof once we have a first layout right like i get like a bound proof just because mm-hmm. i like to see the way the gutters are and stuff and i look at that like i don't know like a hundred times you know like just all the way through and then drew does too and then we get on the phone and we talk through you know layouts if if, if he was traveling and he was over here we could meet up in person which we were able to do for like issue two and stuff like that but uh I don't know. I guess there's no good answer for that, but a lot goes into it, but in a very sl- it's it's methodical, but like slow, like kind of all, on purpose. We do it slowly, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Along those lines, uh, I was wondering what like uh, desktop publishing setup he uses because it doesn't look like it was laid out on a computer like you know other magazine. It looks really organic and shit. I don't even know. I'm so out of the loop as far as the design goes. It's funny with certain things. And as I've like done my other job and stuff, I've learned like to just completely stay out of certain things if they if you're not good at them and they don't interest you enough. So I yeah, have yeah. no idea what he lays the mag, mag on in. <laughs> That's cool. Well, it's thick either way. Okay. It's, it's beautiful. And I think also, too, like uh, the choice of photos, like the layouts that you've done here, especially I'm looking at the Fred Gall joint right now. And also because today is Fred Gall's birthday, so shout out to Uncle Freddie. Hey, um, gotta do it. Cheers. You know, I think um, the, one, a couple of things I noticed in here, right? Just like some of these photos are outrageous. I'm not gonna give it away. You gotta buy the mag. Real talk. But you open up the mag, right? And um, there's dedication to his mom who passed away last year. And I think that's the secret to Uncle Freddie's longevity because you look at what he wrote about his mother, and you think about how wild his life has been. You're like. This is a guy who clearly grew up with a lot of love in his house. His mom and his grandma love him, you know. I mean, and it really shows just like only somebody who's really, 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 really grown up in a certain amount of warmth and goodwill in the household. I, I think that explains I think that explains Uncle Freddie. Sorry for the tangent, but y'all should no, copy, no. get a copy you're... because <laughs> No, that <laughs> issue is wild. If you're a uh, a Fred Gall aficionado, it's like uh a must read or a must cop. It's like and I will say, like having spent time with his mom, with his grandma in those years, like dude, they were his biggest fans. They really were. They, I mean, dude, they both loved him, like you know, almost to a detriment. You know, <laughs> it was that thing where like you love someone, someone so much you enable them. You know, and it's like that. But they, they did. They, they loved him. And and the interesting thing about the Freddie issue, and this was weird, and I wasn't sure. I'm, I'm glad he sobered up and we were able to talk about it and have like a really good conversation that didn't feel like weird at all but i mean the whole time i knew fred he was raging and then like i was also partying a lot in those probably as a result of traveling with him i partied more and all those photos Mm -hmm. came from a very reckless time whatever and then we you know like that issue was put together in this kind of like i don't know it's like a last ditch effort at being like a punk teenager about being like yeah let's just put out something really raw you know and 
and yes, it glorifies partying, and yes, like stuff that that I was kind of like, uh, I'm not in a place in my life now at 30. Well, I was 32 then, I guess, but I'm like, I don't know if I want to like do that. And I, I was talking to him. We were we were like Facetiming a lot, mm-hmm. and he was still fucked up. He was still partying, but I didn't know to what extent. I didn't. He was in a real bad place, I think. With with, uh, and I don't want to speak to what exactly he was doing, but I know he was in a worse place than when I knew him, as far as like substances go. Oh wow. Uh, and but I didn't really understand that to me. He was just Fred. Every time we talked, it was the same Freddie. He, he partied. He loved partying. He loved being the guy who partied like he gets off on that. He likes to be that dude. Mm-hmm. So he had seen the issue. He was hyped on it. He loved all the photos was down. And then I, ha- I basically sent him a proof like we printed a black and white version that was spiral bound. I sent it to him and was like, hey, go through this and just write whatever you want, whatever comes to mind on any page. I'm like, draw pictures, write just the stories, whatever you want. And so he basically just doodled and covered this whole issue and then sent it back, uh, which I was surprised. I didn't think I was going to get it back. I was like, there's a good chance that may never come back. But he sent it back, and uh, and that was what came back. And so then Drew took all the stuff from that and kind of, like, lifted it. And, and, you know, he scanned the shit and moved it around and used that as parts of the layout. But I didn't realize that was – so he had gone to rehab, like, maybe a few months before that, but then it didn't take. Mm-hmm. And then his mom passed away. And that was right around then. And he, that was the last night he was ever fucked up was when he did those captions and he went to rehab the next day or a day or two later. It was like, it was some, I don't know if it was exactly the next day, but maybe it was the last weekend or something, but literally by the next week he was sober and he's been sober ever since. So when we did the photo show in New York and like he went through it again there, he had kind of a different energy, not, not a negative energy at all. He was Mm -hmm. still very stoked on it, but it was, uh. It was interesting to see Fred, sober Fred and non-sober Fred kind of react to seeing these photos of him and, and these stories and these things he wrote. But even that his kind of like darkest state, like, you know, that thing he wrote for his mom was this like beautifully touching, you know, almost a little like eulogy for her, you know? And it was, yeah, yeah. like you said, that's the redeeming part of Fred, man. That's that's why you can you just have to love him because he, he will... I don't know. He's the only person I've ever punched in the face. And <laughs> I live <laughs> on the But I love him. So that's like, I punched him because I love him, I think. <laughs> See, and you guys are still buddies. And, you know, uh, it, 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 it happens. It happens to the best of us. But shout out to you, Uncle Freddy, for, for sobriety and also for the new bed that's so ill. Shout out to <laughs> I'm getting you a new joint. But it just reminded me, like, reading this reminded me of that infamous tour that uh, somebody posted the footage from, I think it was Quarter Snacks, a few years, yeah, like five years ago. And it's that tour where it's like Joey Alvarez, Angel Nieves, Matt Bell, all these guys whiling onto a Ryan Hickey. And at some point, Ryan Hickey gets mad because somebody broke his radio. And Fred Gall's chilling there, uh, Mike Hernandez, and there's a broken toilet. Like, just oh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what <laughs> they, um, they smashed the toilet in the hotel room. That's legendary. <laughs> so I, I mean, like, actually, like, kind of building on that, Matt. Like, um, especially, I, I want to dig into the Paris joint in just a sec. But like, you have, you know, you've gotten to see skaters in these super intimate moments, especially on the road, in these really kind of vulnerable places where nerves are afraid, people got jet lagged, they're hungover, they're sick, they're stoned, you know, they're wild and they're bored out of their minds. Like, number one, how do you, how do you, like? Are you taking that all in at the same time? Are you constantly looking for a photo, something that can capture the moment? Or are you equally as as fried? I think now, I mean, I do a lot less traveling in that capacity now. Like, I just have a full-time job. And Paris was, like, a fun little escape that I got to do last summer. And, you know, but when I was young, I was just fried as well. Like, that was just, that that was the era for me. I, I look at it now, I'm like, dude, I don't know how to, to live that life and not just be fucked up. Like, I <laughs> I don't drink like I used to. And I don't do, you know, like, I, I feel like I've, I've learned how to do adult drinking now. Where you're able to, like, maintain and, and not be hung over every day. But, like, I mean, then it was just like, yeah, it was just, you just had to be on the same program. It, and maybe that's just because I'm, like, self-conscious. So it was mm-hmm. just that thing of, like, oh, well, everyone on this trip drinks beer so i'll drink beer everyone on this trip is wants to do shots of whiskey i'll do shots of whiskey you know and it's just you kind of just got on the program so i think when when those times were happening as when i was younger i wasn't on the lookout as much as now i would be now i'm like thinking about what story do i want to tell how do i want to like what moments do i want to photograph of this person or who who on this trip is like someone that i'm really excited to like 
have these moments with or share these moments with other people or whatever. Like I, I think about that more now, but then it was, yeah, I was on the same idiot program. I, you know, when you're, I think when you're a skate photographer or a filmer mm-hmm. or anything, like it's really easy sometimes to just like be like, cool, I'm a pro skater too. Like I get to just <laughs> live the way you live. And, and I did that for probably like, I don't know, a good six years straight where it was just like, Oh, my liver fucking hates me forever for that, probably. But I was, <laughs> I was definitely. So to answer your question, fried. Fried is the answer. <laughs> okay, I, then I gotta know. I gotta know. Actually, no. The people gotta know. So there's obviously there's gonna be some folks listening here. If you could demystify anything about professional skateboarding, you've you you know you've been the fly on the wall. You've been in the van, right? You've been crouched down. You know, fifth roll of film, same trick. Can you demystify something for? people who know nothing about the life of pro-sponsored, am, flow, skaters who are on a trip. Burst the bubble. Burst the bubble for them right now. Interesting. That's an interesting one. I, I think the biggest thing that my takeaway, and this just comes from what I do now, is that I am still blown away at how little so many sponsored skaters, ams, pros, flow kids, whatever, really understand what the output of what they're doing is going to be and what the end goal is and what actually works and what doesn't work. Like there, I still see it to this day constantly. There's so many skaters that I even, you know, work with regularly that just don't, they don't understand like what they're, what they think they're doing in the, is not what like the people above them really care about that they're doing. And that's not like to sound shitty. Like there's, Oh, they're just like these puppeteers, like making them do shit. They don't want to do. It's like, they're all just so focused on this like old school idea of like skating a certain way and getting your tricks and getting your parts. And like the disconnect is so crazy versus what like the pro skater, I feels like, I feel like a lot of times what the pro skater thinks they're doing is so far off from what the marketing person who they're going to deliver all this shit to is trying to do, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's so that's always been the craziest thing for me. And that's not really like, a fun like I wish I had something to say like I don't know all pro skaters piss their pants or you know something but I don't really have <laughs> I don't have a fun answer like that but to me there's this it's it is crazy to like work on the other side of things now in marketing and just be like oh man like there and so many people in between like the people who own and run the companies and the skaters perpetuate kind of this like miss I don't know this misunderstanding of what you want from the the team I guess as like a brand and it just to this day still blows me away that there's kids I, I go out with sometimes and I'm just like, oh, no, you're like so worried about this. But like the people who are paying you don't give a shit about that. <laughs> like, it's crazy that that there's this it's still this disconnect, I feel like. But that's a I don't know, I don't know if that's pulling the lid off of anything. Maybe everyone already knows that, but it just it still blows me away. <laughs> Damn. Well, like, if, if, like you said, like, the skaters are kind of just in the mentality of, like, skate, get tricks, stack footage, blah, blah, blah. Like, what are, like, the uh, corp- corpo people kind of looking for from them? Well, you know what I mean, as opposed yeah. to... Yeah. So, I think, I don't even know if it's about... Oh, man, someone's going to listen to this and hate me. I don't <laughs> even know if it's about what the corpo people want. It's what the, the, the markets want. Like, what the people who, like, follow your Instagram account want, right? Like, they're... You think that like grinding this double kink rail is like what people want to see from you and and maybe they do, but at the same time, like you're out at this session in particular to like sell a shoe or sell a pant or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And and at the end of the day, just a photo of you looking like a, a cool person in that pant is like way more valuable probably to the brand than like your right. double kink grind. And it, whatever. That's 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 probably I don't know, that's some shit that obviously can easily turn you off like from the industry and that's why the that's kind of why like i don't think that's just bad it's just marketing it is what it is but yeah. i think uh that's golden hour is kind of born out of like understanding that stuff but then wanting to just like kind of go into my own mindset about in the same way the skaters are like i gotta i gotta grind the double kink this i gotta get it and you're like well no someone else just grinded an 18 kink rail yesterday like no one really cares that you're grinding this i i'm now thinking like them about skate photos where i'm like no these are the skate photos that matter and i think this is a important when maybe no one really cares but it gives me this kind of like fun place to still be uh a little bit deluded about it and not really understanding like i don't know it's nice to do things without like a corporate goal in mind i think all all of them have been sponsored by converse is that correct uh just the first one and the last just just two two of the three jenkum was a jenkum was like a partner sponsor on the second one uh more so 
but uh but yeah cons did do the first two they've just been super supportive uh in general of the project which is cool but um I haven't really like I don't know we're we kind of want to move towards a model now that we sold a couple and we're kind of you know able to put a tiny bit of money away each time we want to really move to a model where like we don't need a sponsor because we we print an amount that will sell so the goal is to just Mm -hmm. sell them out every time and there's no we're not no one's trying to get rich off this so the money just all goes back in so our our goal is to to be able to yeah if we can find a sponsor to cover the cost that's awesome but the goal is to just be able to just keep it going and perpetuate itself, you know, right. almost like it's like a, an apparent, like, or I don't know, rather, because the magazine, that was another whole thing about starting this was, I hate the idea that magazines are like, they live and die with advertisers. <clears throat> and it just totally, it just kills editorial. So I was like, all right, well, what if you had the idea for the editorial? And then if you found a sponsor, that'd be cool. You know, and, and the model set up, so you only need one sponsor. And, you know, if we get one right, if we don't, like, like the second issue, we, I had talked to a few uh, corporate and less corporate skate sponsors about the Freddie issue. And I had some interest at first. And then I think once they saw the content, they were like, Ooh, I don't know if we can put our, put our stamp on this. <laughs> <laughs> That's not too surprising. Yeah. And which is fine. But so at the end, what it came down to is we had enough money in the account to like print that issue. And then Jenkum came on as like a partner and they, they, they were like a promotional sponsor, but like for me, they were a huge help in putting on it. Like I was terrified to put on a photo show in New York. Like I've, I don't know. It's like intimidating not being from there and trying to go there and like do oh, here's a here's my magazine and my my solo photo show essentially. You know, it's like I was a little uh and and Ian Ajenkum was super helpful and and they came on and promoted it and helped us put on the show which to me that was like just as valuable as like a monetary partner, I guess. So so that's and then on top of that like I don't know, yeah, that hasn't been the goal. Like they they've all been kind of organic. This new cons one just kind of came out of like talking with friends at converse and you know ideas kicking around and they were just like oh yeah cool we'll support that like it's very easy for them i feel like at the at the levels of money we're asking for i think that gets a pretty easy ask right yeah yeah. so did this like did you go on this trip for golden hour or did it just kind of like end up that way were you on this trip for another purpose so i i i wanted to do like a travel golden hour like i wanted i i've kind of had all these little ideas I still have a bunch in the back of my head of like, I'd love to do this kind of issue, this issue. And I thought it would be cool to go on a trip just because my whole career at the skateboard mag was you go on a trip for like three weeks in Europe, you Mm -hmm. shoot 150 photos that are sick or whatever, you know, and then they run an eight page article and then you just have all these photos Like maybe you sell one or two for now, but you just sit on all this stuff and you're like, I don't know the, you are, it's very personal to you because it was such a cool time for you and the people that were on the trip. And maybe it's not exciting enough to everyone else, but I always felt like it was, I always felt like it was exciting enough for this small group of people that really wanted to nerd out on this stuff. So with a a trip issue like this, this new one, it was basically like, Oh, what if we just, you know, I went to Paris for a week with this crew, shot everything. And then was able to, we were going to do a smaller issue. It was going to be called like 2.5 and it was going to be 40 pages instead of 60. And then once we got it back, we were like, Oh, we have enough to fill 60 pages. Let's just do a proper issue three. But I like the idea of like, you know, cause we pretty much used, not every single photo, but, you know, probably like 85% of the photos I shot in the week I was there, which I don't know. Some people might be like, oh, you don't know how to edit. And like, that's that's whack. But I don't know. I think there's something to be said for showing the whole trip. And it's super personal. It's super fucking, I don't know, maybe I'm an egomaniac, but like the trip from my perspective, you know, the, this whole thing is like very personal and, and very like, oh, yeah, when I write about it, I just write like about from my perspective where's at the skateboard mag i always got talked to about like oh no you need to write uh i don't even know what the proper term is but you need to write from the perspective of not you you know you need to write from this perspective of like a fly on a wall who no one knows and i maybe i'm too ego idiot to like do that because it was always hard for me so with this i'm just like oh i can just as if i'm telling you guys a story i can write this you know or so that was kind of the I don't know. I'm just talking in circles. I think I'm nervous, guys. No, don't be <laughs> no, nervous. No need to be nervous. Yeah. You're doing great. Yeah, yeah. We're not yeah. even in the room. <laughs> yeah, along those lines about uh, the Paris trip, did you got, did you have like a spot Wrangler or something? Because it seems like you guys went to a bunch of Paris spots that I had never seen before. And I've seen like every Paris spot. Everyone, everyone knows Paris is the new uh, Barcelona or whatever. Did you have like a spot Wrangler or anything? Because you think well, there's so- no like Rip Oblique, no like the Dome. I don't think none of that shit. 
Yeah, we didn't go to the Dome at all, which sucks. I really like that spot. It's just a cool-looking spot, fun to hang out. And also, I would have fucked up those three stairs. But <laughs> uh, we, we were with, like, the cons, uh, the cons dudes out in Paris. And, like, Luigi, yeah. who's, like, the Converse TM out there, is super sick. And then, like, we were with, like, Kevin Rodriguez and Paul Grone. And then Ben Shadorn, who, like, films for Converse. Like, they're all Paris locals. So, like, they kind of just had a good a good lead on what we should be going to, you know? And it, right, it's... Right. It's so nice to just go on a trip and, and not have to think about that shit and just, just be able to jump in a van and just be like, oh, everything's taken care of. All I have to do is take pictures. This is so nice. And those that whole crew there is really like they just have their shit figured out and they they do it every day. You know, it's you can't really you can't fake it. As I get older, that's the, the saddest part about realizing like you start to get out of street skating a little bit. And you're like, dude, in order to be good at Every element of it, like finding spots, shooting photos, filming, skating, any of it, you have to do it every single day. Like you just have oh, to yeah. be, you have to live it. And I don't live it anymore. So like when I get with a crew that does, it's really inspiring for me. That was the same with issue one, like Dane and Emil and Nick Rios and those dudes. Like they just, every day, it's just like they meet up, they eat, and then they go skate the same way I did probably 10 years ago, which I don't do now, you know, <laughs> quite as much. And it's uh it's super inspiring to see people that just really really live it in that way and not like the kind of la orange county way where there's way more driving than skating like i feel like they're properly skating a lot which is helpful and same with the paris guy you know in paris you're just skating and taking the train so there's no i know it's such like a cliche thing like it's so sick you just jump on the metro and you skate <laughs> and you don't get in the car but like it re- growing up in Arizona and spending a lot of time in Southern California, it is really fun for me to skate like that in those like cities like New York and Barcelona and Paris, where you really you're just on your board all day long. It's 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 pretty rad. So hard. Okay, so um, question for you. So you were staying on uh, in an apartment on Avenue Dominique. So how many of there were? How many of you were there in the apartment? And like, how did you kind of like? I guess I don't know. Is it like the Blobies crew, or is it just like mostly like the Cons Cons gang? So I was in an apartment that like was a Converse apartment, and I think okay. there was six or seven of us maybe that stayed in that apartment. So it wasn't like too hectic or anything. Mm-hmm. It, uh, I was saying I slept on that couch in the living room with like Sage was on one couch, and then Ibu was on another couch, and then Alexis had a room, and then Lee uh, Berman, the TM, had uh, I think maybe he shared a room with Jake. Mm-hmm. And then I think Harry slept on like a mattress on the floor. So it was like pretty like skate housey in that way. But it, it was very much like the cons, uh, you know, I don't know, expat house at that point. You know, everyone that could come yeah. over and uh, <clears throat> we met up with all the locals every day to like eat and stuff. And then we'd go from there because they all just stayed at home. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, you said that word really well. Dominio. I, I learned that was like <laughs> Ben. Ben helped me with that. Ben's fucking rad. He was a really nice like, uh, I don't know, Paris isn't in intimidating city <laughs> it's nice to have a friend who's from there who can help you out oh uh, they're not that mean it's like new york you well, break... I, I didn't i didn't say they're mean i just said they're in, it's intimidating they're, i've never <laughs> felt like people are ass like i know that's such a shitty like american cliche to be like the french are assholes i never felt that way but i just do feel intimidated like it's kind of like i don't want to fuck up while i'm there <laughs> i'm like i don't want to i don't want to bum anyone out or like you know i don't know it just seems like a but that's again that's how i feel about new york too and you're in just places that just and maybe it's like the the romance and the lore and all this shit gets built up. So you're like, oh man, this place is such a scene, and I'm coming into it as like an outsider, and outsiders are the worst. So like, you just don't want to be the shitty outsider. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like, and then like a question for you, like, um, uh, like so in deciding to make a magazine around this trip, like you kind of like low key blew my mind, basically pointing out that you would come back from a three week trip to Europe with hundreds of photos, right? Which means that if you go back 25 years, right? If we go back to the 1990s, to Europe 95, Europe 96, where folks would be on the continent for, I think, up to two months, right? For competitions and tours and visiting their distributors and doing demos and things like that. Does that mean like you have folks like Dmitry Elyaskovich and uh, Giovanni Retta? Lots and lots and lots of photographers from back then who are sitting on the same huge archives of photos from those trips, from that era. Yes, everyone is. It's crazy. And they are, I think, with with those guys especially, because, I mean, I didn't really start doing this until, like, 2004, right, or 2005. Mm -hmm. Like, those guys' archives are probably so deep, and it's so majority film, and they probably just have it in books and boxes and shit, and, like, the daunting task of, like, organizing and scanning that shit is probably just crazy. So, like, it just 
it sits for now, you know, until, and even with like, like Pete Thompson just put out his book, which is incredible. And like such my favorite stuff in that book is like 3,200 like fisheye photos of dudes hanging out at a contest in like Munster or whatever. Like that is like the, Mm -hmm. the raddest shit about that book. And I'm like, dude, think about to get that image. He probably has 80 from that same day. Right. And then you just multiply that by how many contests there were that year or for the five years. Yeah. There's, I don't know. I think there this self-publishing thing, it needs to, I don't know. And I, I guess the, the thing, it sucks because the books are really cool. People are like, oh, I want to put out a photo. And it, it has this really, like, it's at a certain echelon, right? When you have a book, it's, like, very, it's just high end. It's art book, right? What I wanted to do is, like, go a little lower brow than that where you're, like, obviously because that just made sense for what I wanted to do. But I'm hoping that other people, too, and I see more of it, but I want other, like, skate photographers to do the same thing where, dude, it's not fucking the place i print with in arizona it's called short run printing anyone listening to this you should go on their website they have a quote builder ready to go and just you can order anywhere from one to 2500 or something and it's like it really doesn't cost as much as you think it does and i really i I think there's a market for it and i just i don't know i wish more people would do it because i think everyone's sitting on these like little gold mines and i think if they could just i mean i guess you have to have a friend who's maybe a graphic designer because I wouldn't have done it probably if I didn't do it with Drew, but just find someone. You could find someone who wants to put your shit together and just, uh, I don't know, dig through your photos and then create a narrative. You don't even have to have one in mind. You can probably just start going through photos so, and finding it. So, Word, how do you, um, especially now, 2020 being what it is, this year, uh, this being a year of incredible civil strife and racial strife in America, and there's been a lot of conversations about how to diversify certain industries. So, um, the thing about skating is that amongst rank and file skaters now, especially more than ever, incredibly diverse. But in the realm of photography, videography, distribution, ownership, um, not too many black and brown folk, not too many women, uh, not a lot of people in co- of color in general. How do you kind of demystify this process and how do you encourage more, you know, how do you encourage, say, someone like me 20 years ago, 30 years ago, to pick up a camera and start taking photos of skating and actually finding a way. Cause like I tried to think about this uh, a few months ago and I was like, I think it's really only a Tiba, right? Yeah. I mean, a Tiba, uh, Shelby Woods uh, was like, he definitely had a period where I saw a lot of stuff from Shelby, but he hasn't really been in the game for a minute, but yeah, it, it is, it is a pretty like shittily diverse, like area of skating. And and I think, and it's been rad. I've been, I've been, you know, meeting and making friends with with new photographers. Like Zora Olivia is like a rad female photographer. Norma Ibira, I think is her last name. She's from Vancouver, and she rips. And like, just it's been cool to meet people who aren't white dudes essentially that are shooting skate photos. And and I think in order for that to continue, like in general, just like everything, like I don't think there's there's obviously your like classic gatekeeping stuff where people are just on purpose trying to like not give out information or whatever. But I I don't know. I get messages probably like once to twice a week from, you know, up and coming photo kids that want advice. And I just tell them every single thing I know. I'm like, if they're like, where'd you put your flashes for this photo? I'm like, here and here. Like, I, I feel like there's nothing proprietary about a skate photo. I'm just copying what Spike Jones did probably in like 1994. Like, <laughs> there's nothing. So I, I want to with and that's kind of a dream I have for Golden Hour. And I haven't really like since it's such a side project. I haven't gotten to that point yet, but I want to like do more kind of like how to tutorial based stuff just to put it out there. Like I, I have a friend, Matt Day, who's like a, a rad photographer in Ohio. And he, you know, he went down like the YouTube route and does like these camera reviews and tutorials and like teaches people. And it's, it's so rad. Like, and he does it in a genuine way. That's not just him. And he's just teaching you how to do it. And like, uh, but back to that, sorry, the question, like, I feel like it's like skating has gotten to this place where there's enough skaters that there's been enough people to infiltrate skating and, and do these things in a way that isn't, doesn't feel corny. Cause I think skaters are always just afraid of everything being corny. You're like, Oh, I don't want to be, I don't want to look stupid by helping someone or I don't want to look stupid by like, you know, being like, Hey guys, here's how you do this or whatever. And, and within skating now skaters, I feel like there's more and more of that. There's like random kids you've never heard of who have a hundred thousand followers that are like, here's how you kickflip, you know? And I think that that shit has helped bring new people into skating, but you don't really have that on the Mia side yet. And I'm, I'm hoping that if everyone can kind of get on the same page about like wanting to just like spread the knowledge that hopefully that will include, you know, some more people into it because, and, and then from there, like you just have to also be vigilant about hiring 
diverse people in for these roles. Like, I think that's another thing that's it's, it's always just like, oh, well, this is my homie, so I'll hire him. Like, I'm guilty of that for sure. Like, oh, this is someone I work with all the time and I've known him forever. It's like, of course I've known him forever. Like, I met him through another friend who grew up in neighborhood next to mine or whatever. You know, it's like not it's really easy to get stuck in that shit. But I think just in general, I think through like kind of opening up the knowledge of these things and, and teaching people because I'll do there are like three to four things you need to know to shoot a skate photo. Like, that's it. You have to like buy like maybe three to four things and know three to four things, and then you can shoot any skate photo. It's not, it's not difficult to do to to figure out the basics of. So I think we need to like kind of like open that up to people and make sure everyone knows that. Nepotism is a hell of a drug. Y'all heard it here first. Three things. <laughs> three things to so shoot a skate photo. Okay, it's like you put you put the slave here, and then you use this lens aperture. That's two. Yeah, you got your set. You got your settings. You got your flash. You got your, I mean, no, but I, I've I've had. There's this. I, Mike Stanfield will bring this up to me all the time. Do you guys know Mike Stanfield, Filmbot Files? Yes. Oh, yeah. oh, hell yeah, dude. That's so, one of my favorite videos. So yeah, so Mike was a filmer, right? Like a rad film. Made that video, and then he wanted to start shooting photos. I think he worked for like Ezekiel at the time, and he was like, he was like, hey, he's like, uh, I'm gonna start shooting on these trips because it's hard to get photographers sometimes. So can you show me a couple of photos you shot and how to do it? And I go, yeah. And I drew him a little diagram. It was like, here's the skater. Here's your two flashes. You know, I did that for him three different times. And literally he came back from a trip and his photos look fine. <laughs> like, they, like after one trip, he had like learned how to shoot solid skate photos. And I was like, it's not, it's not rocket science. I mean, the, the hard part is like, you know, working with the skater to like get to a point where you've got a photo you're stoked on or that's going to be different or something. Jake Johnson, we got to talk about Jake Johnson. Come on. Yeah, give us oh. this with a, Jake, a good Jake Johnson yes. tale, Matt. The uh, the enigma. So I'm Jake I'm a large Jake Johnson fan, both in stature and in my level of excitement for Jake Johnson. But I I went on this trip. Never, I don't know if I'd met him before briefly or not, but I never shot with him. Never been in like a situation like that with him. Uh, he was super cool. But I I've heard stories from people about Jake. They're like, oh yeah, you can go on a trip with Jake for three weeks to the best spots in the world, and he won't get anything. But then sometimes he'll get everything, and it's this very, like, oh, roll the dice thing or whatever. And we got, like, I was, I was on the ground for, like, five full skate days in Paris, and he got five photos that I thought were really rad. Like, he, he skated. It was, it was exactly what I wanted out of a Jake Johnson situation. Like, I got to see him do the kickflip back nose grind at the Louvre, like, two, two different times. He did it twice, and it was just, like, so effortless when he did it. Like, it was crazy. And then he frontside flipped that bump to bar that was, like, and you had to, like, switch pop off the curb before the wall like it was just like to see him in his like element being jake johnson was so sick like i've definitely and no disrespect to jake but i've heard stories from people where it's like oh yeah like you know we, we really wanted to get something out of him for this like two-week trip and we couldn't get anything because you know he just wasn't feeling it but i always uh i don't know man there's skaters like that where the juice is just worth the squeeze and there's some that aren't, but I think the ones that are are so important. That's how I felt about everything I've shot with Dane Brady is the same way, where I'm just like, you don't know. Sometimes you might go a few days without getting anything, and sometimes they might be a little difficult to work with, but what you're going to get is so fucking good that it's worth all the – any bullshit or any just waiting around. It's like fishing, I guess. <laughs> you just kind of sit and you cast out the line and hope it works. But my experience was amazing, and uh, it was really fun to watch him – be jake johnson in person but uh how, how tall is he uh, taller than me and i'm 510 so he's probably six he's pretty eight. tall he's like six he's a he's around here from time to time because i live in richmond and like gilbert lives here and shit so like he's pretty tall like six one six two maybe yeah I'd say. he's he's pretty tall he's not tall enough to be like super awkward but he's like definitely taller he feels tall when you're like around him it's hard when you like watch someone in videos and stuff and you like look up to them it, you know the idea of like i look up to someone and then you see them and they're big you're kind of like oh they feel extra big <laughs> <laughs> but also when people are small they feel extra small like the first time i met jeff rowley i was like oh you're like little no offense <laughs> <laughs> he's just a he's just a small dude like he's not which it's makes i don't know makes everything more impressive when he skates big shit i guess but i remember just thinking like oh in my head you were like a giant you were like six four but you're really just like a little shorter than me, but that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. But how tall is Frankie Villani? Uh, five nine maybe. I feel like he's about my height, maybe a little shorter. 
All right. Is that a weird uh, transition? Or is that, is that fine? That's fine. Actually, the next half of the show is going to be you guys asking me how tall skaters are and me just guessing their heights based on what I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll stick with the 5'9 uh, Frankie Villani for now because late last week, that lovable weirdo dropped one big mess on us. His very Frankie video part with creative skating and tweaked out switch flips. Jason, did Frankie's new part make you want to go skate? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty sick. Like I was thinking about it earlier. Like there's really no uh, antecedent or comparison for this kid. Like just in terms of being good at different like sub genres of skating, like jumping down stuff. By the way, he uses that phrase in his uh, new Thrasher interview, which I thought was sick. Also ledge stuff and like weird creative stuff. Like maybe like Mark Gonzalez in like peak mark gonzalez here is like 1991 or whatever you know what i mean but even mark gonzalez didn't like flip his board that much so i mean he's probably like underrated for all the shit that he does you know what i mean i think you're right like i was watching it and watching some of his other parts and i was like you know thinking about the bunt rapid fire question who's the most talented skateboarder on planet earth and i was like it might be frankie Villani. like the dude can do everything can you skate transition I, i don't care (laughs) <laughs> wow! Yes, I love that. I love. <laughs> I, I, wait, wait, wait! We're gonna we're gonna call him the best skater on the planet, but we cannot readily answer whether or not he can skate transition. He can. He could skate. He not like I don't. He Grant Taylor's or anything, but I think he can like hold his own. Like I've seen him do some some cool transition skating. But I was gonna say the thing that it was cool. I, I love Frankie. I'm a huge Frankie fan. And I think I have a I have a bias. I love thick skaters. Like I'm always just like down. <laughs> Being a thick skater myself, I'm always like when people come out swinging and they they're a little heavier, I'm like that's sick because I just feel like it's cool. It's good for the body positivity movement. It's good for skating, all these things, right? They're athletic thick boys. But he uh he just does he he checks a lot of boxes, I feel like. And that then this new part kind of the last half is like he goes like chris joslin a little bit you know where he just does every flip trick down a gap of like a decent size where i'm like that's crazy because you don't expect like i don't know you never expect it he always does it but like i always forget that he can like nollie backside flip and big flip like a big ass gap and there's even though that's not the skating i really love but i think it's cool that he can kind of do that at the end of a part where he did all this technical shit yeah that's like the zero dna or like the zero uh like his time in the zero camp that's true still, uh, i forgot about still that coursing through his veins <laughs> so templeton yeah you like you brought that up like do you think i think it makes sense that he's on primitive now at first i was just kind of like wait a minute he's not that fresh right and he's definitely burlier and definitely skates a lot bigger stuff than most of the cats on primitive but now it, it totally makes sense like I, I don't know maybe it's just like i've gotten used to it and also it feels kind of like his personality pops out right and he's confident about the way he skates, right? As compared to Zero, where it almost feels kind of like it's a machine. Like, it grinds away all of that personality. And it's like, you're part of the Zero crew now. And, like, you, you're supposed to... The, uh, it's Zero vibes, not the, the individual uh, scares. The, the Zero army, if you I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's an army, Patrick. That's not true. <laughs> you know, they break you down and build you back up as a member of yeah. uh, the Zero army. Yeah, you get, the, you get the skull shirt for your uniform. You start off as a you know, private, like work your way up through the through the ranks of the Zero Army. Exactly. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, so, yeah, some specific shit about that part. Like, I like the Casper. He should actually, I was thinking, he should actually try to do a Casper slide on a ledge, like an actual accord and oil ledge. Like, there's one guy on Instagram that does them on like uh, like at a park and like across like uh, manual paths or whatever. But he could pro- he could probably do a Casper slide like on a lead. That would be some next level shit. Is that what you really want to see him do though? Because I I like I feel like with my like for me yeah. Frankie like I don't know I feel like if he does too much of that stuff he's gonna like he teeters he teeters on this circusy kind of like yeah yeah, yeah. Peak yep, he's where, on like, the fucking razor's edge. I almost don't want to see him do a Casper slide because I don't want to see him fall into that. I know the guy you're talking about on Instagram, uh, and I don't want. <laughs> we, we I don't want. Name, him. We won't name names. We're not. I don't, we're not taking it, shots. They're not linked in the show notes. No, and respect to him. I could. I'm terrible at skating. I always. <laughs> anytime I talk shit on anything, but I would like to see if Frankie was going to tip towards one side or the other. I'd be like, I like the Casper, but like maybe don't do another Casper in the next part. That's cool. You got one. That's. I'm not mad at it, but like. Maybe, yeah, that maybe that's, we move on. <laughs> 
That's probably my personal preference as a as a Plan B kid who watched oh, yeah, uh, virtual and questionable like hundreds of thousands of times. So that's yeah, that, that makes sense. No, I I, I definitely <laughs> I just always am like I love that he can kind of sit on both sides of the fence. He can be circusy, but then like I think when just about when people are gonna talk shit on his Casper or his Smith combo or whatever, which I like that shit. But then he just he big flips the gap, and then it's like kind of like slows the the person who is about to talk shit. Maybe they're like ah, but. Yeah, I yeah. think that's part of the edit. It's like, like the everything is kind of like sandwiched with like tasteful, good, gnarly skating. You know, it's like there was the he did like a no comply tail side on a ledge, hopped out to board side a handrail, and then it was like uh, I don't remember what what the following trick was, but it was like the following trick kind of like cleansed the palate a little bit. Even though that like yeah, tail yeah. side to board side was pretty sick, but I, I feel like. You know, the editor could have, like, lumped all those things together and made it, like, you know, that would, like, really leave a bad taste in your mouth. But, like, in this case, it's just, like, I don't know, like... Skateboarding sorbet. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, like the those little tricks are just, like, um, like the parsley or whatever. That's yeah, like yeah, he did, he did like, a... He did the, tail, the no comply tail slide to board, and then they were, like, we'll just put a kick crook in here, and that's, like, your lemon sorbet. And then the next, and then it was like straight to the the Casper, and you're like, it's. I mean, that makes sense, right? Like a ten course meal type situation, video part. There's a comparison to be made there. Yeah, Matt, I want to jump back to your point about uh, about thick boys and thick folks, um, because that's that was a subject of the the interview that Frankie did in Thrasher this month, which actually came. Uh, my copy came right on election night, and <laughs> it's kind of interesting too because. Obviously, if you go to a skate park, if you go to a skate spot, if you just go skating, you'll see people of all different shapes and sizes, right? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of weird that they kind of kept hammering about that point about being, oh, just being the fat kid at the skate park, fat kid at the skate park, especially when for most of our real lives, right, you see lots of different types of people skating, but especially once you cross that 30 barrier, if you're an old head, I mean, come on, look at most of our, you know, the old school heroes, right? Early 90s heroes who are still skating transition, for example, you know? Yeah, no, there's a lot of, I, yeah, it, it is funny. And I think it's it's because, and I think being like the fat kid who went into media, which is such a cliche, right? Like, that's, and Thrasher's always going to have this place of like, I remember there was like, an interview they did a series of interviews with media people and i think they were like were you a fat kid or a rich kid like that was the joke that Burnett, <laughs> someone made about like which, which is which is very on point for most skate media kids like but i i think that the conversation now needs to like although that is something i like about him and i did bring it up like i don't know if that's the job of like the media outlet that's like interviewing him about it like the dude like I don't know, even if he's cool about, like, making a joke or talking about it or whatever, like, it's just that constant kind of, it's, I feel like it's the same as all, like, the, you know, the women I know who skate, or, like, as a girl skater, do you feel it's, like, that's going to be the new question, like, as a fat skater, do you feel like it's harder <laughs> yeah, to do like, this? Yeah, I mean, it's well, kind not, of like a microaggression. Yeah. yeah. I'm familiar with that. I don't know, not, that's nothing micro about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When, uh, when Jamie Foy had his, like, uh, like fucking monster gear and was skater of year, they were still like, oh, like big boy, boy, whatever. And like he made that, he made that part of his personal brand. It was like part of his graphics. Like it was wild. Yeah, and, you know and he I mean? doesn't doesn't give a fuck. Like that's, <laughs> and I, I respect that. Like he's just like, no, I, I, dude, I've been on trips with Jamie where he's just like, I watched him eat fried chicken for three meals in a row for like four <laughs> days, and. I, I, I will eat fried chicken with him. That's the shitty part is I'm like, I leave that trip feeling like ass. He leaves that trip going to like kickflip 50, a fucking triple kink rail. And I'm like, damn, dude, I don't know how long that lasts, but enjoy it. That's sick. <laughs> like, but I think uh, I have this actually this quick funny story. When I first met Jamie Foy, he was I was in uh, New York at a damn am contest. And I went to dinner with the Nike crew and I was with Jack Sabat because Jack's a good friend of mine. And we were at uh, we were eating with with all these kids that were like on Nike Flow, and it was Zion and Jamie. And I saw Zion skate that day, and I just thought Jamie was like his filmer buddy. And like I, <laughs> Jamie literally ordered like two meatball subs, like at fucking the meatball <laughs> spot or whatever. And I remember, and Jack was like, "No, that kid rides for Nike." I was like, "That kid rides for <laughs> Nike," and he was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "No, dude, that's an athletic shoe brand. This child does not like." for nike and i got to watch him skate the next day and dude that was like i was a foy fan forever i was just like wow like i think the coolest part about skating 
especially now, is like you just want to be surprised. You want someone, especially when you you made up your mind about every like ninety nine percent of skating, having done it for like twenty five years or whatever. You're like, I just love a surprise, and in I don't care in what way that it comes. And I don't know for me, like boy, that was like so cool. And I I had never seen like a husky kid that could skate rails. You know, like I've seen a lot of husky kids do a lot of no complies, and that's that's what I do, and that's cool. But I'm just saying, like it was it was a cool surprise, and I but. It got me out of that mindset. I was, I, I've been a more positive uh, body space now than I was then, where I was like, nope, not possible. <laughs> it's like, it's just like, if there was something about that, like, I was just like, I'm surprised dude was not offended by this, but I, I don't know. But at the, at the same time, though, it, it's, I'd like to think that, you know, skating is continuing to grow and reflect and able to do it in a way that, like what you said earlier, Matt, isn't quote unquote corny, right? I think that there's like this weird sort of self consciousness that, uh, we really need to just kind of like uh, throw in the trash can and just just be because it's so weird that people are just like what being nice to somebody helping somebody out is corny. Yeah, like why why is that? Hey, that's crazy because that's I what think that's it some ninety shit. It is. It's that's some it's shit. dude. I I've met way too many pro skaters that are great dudes and great skaters that like hate themselves on a level of like I'm like <laughs> dude why how could you hate yourself this much like. Uh, like I just I don't and oh, whatever everyone deals with it everyone has to hate themselves a little bit sometimes but you're just kind of like oh no I think you're a little too far into this zone like you're a little too far into this like uh it's like you know oh, yeah don't don't big up yourself it's like the they they heard someone talk shit on uh Chad Fernandez fist pumping after he landed a trick and then and that just stuck with them forever and I think there's this mentality that now more than ever is really detrimental to skaters like both in their own personal like mental health and just for the industry you know I think yeah. that I mean, I don't know. The skaters I get the most hyped on now are honestly like closer to beginners than pros, you know, or or closer to like maybe my skill level where I'm just like I can really like find inspiration in seeing someone do a trick and and that shit is like way more magical at this point than the the hardest trick. So, I don't yeah. know. I think as that changes, there's there's going to be that with that hopefully will come a lot of these like, little body positivity things and kind of inclusion and like I just think that that's the the coolest place for skating to go right now. Also, like, let's keep it funky. Like, when you're in your early 20s and your metabolism is crazy high and you have a lot of bad habits, yeah, it's really, really easy to look absolutely rail thin. Like, let, let's let's not delude ourselves. There's a lot of folks who are subsisting on less than 1,000 calories a day, whatever, you know, barely eating. 1,000 <laughs> calories Come on, yo. and youth. They're eating youth, and that's yeah. and that's going to – they're uh, going to run out. Like, every – Everything's relative, though. Like Jamie Foy might be fat for a skater, but if he goes to the gym, he'd be just like average or skinnier than the average guy. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah everything's relative. Or in the NFL, right? If he played football, yeah, yeah. he wouldn't even oh, be yeah. like, the biggest exactly. dude on you know already close. Like I always say that it's funny. My, my wife, we always talk about that. I'll be like, oh yeah, that person like they're a little chubby, and she's just like, they're not chubby. And I'm like, yeah, that's why you love me. I appreciate that. But I, like, her, her like perspective on that, I'm like, mine is so warped from skating because like skating is kind of like running in that way where like the people who excel at it are people who are built like birds, like people that have no weight on their joints and that yeah. can really like take like that's who is going to feel most comfortable in a sport like skating. So it is just rare, you know, to see, dude, I've had slams where like the ground shakes and I feel like I've had like 10 people at the park stop and look at me. Cause I like slipped out on a kick, like the mellowest shit. And you're like, Oh yeah. Like I hit the ground way harder than most of the people here. <laughs> like it's just too, it's brutal on a big body. And yet skating's for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's true. Cause you know, if you have the, it, Foy has proven like, Hey, he's got that bigger body, but that bigger body can take some shit. Like it's almost like he's built for the slams he takes. Like he just, dude, he's terrifying to watch hit the ground. <laughs> One last thing about the uh, Frankie Vianney part. The uh, the pants, like I'm a big pants guy or whatever, as you might know from my uh, latest feature on Corner Tax. The pants with the uh, the patches, I think that's a, I think that's going to be a thing moving forward. I agree, yeah? Matt. Trend, you're out in the streets. Watch? What do you what are you seeing? Are you seeing patched pants? No, but I'm seeing printed like a lot of like it started with like hand like the draw like people drawing on their pants and stuff, and I feel like that kind of like printing on pants thing is happening a little more. So I think that I could see the patches working for sure i remember dude but i gotta you gotta shout out like the original like the 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 denim with every nba team patch on it that was like dude there's a there's a skater i grew up with simon lambie 
from he skated the wedge. He still skates the wedge to this day. He is like he's one of those dudes who I've skated with for 15 years, and he's just as good as he was 15 years ago. He can like nollie flip nose slide like a waist high ledge. He's fucking amazing. And he he ran those when we were kids, and I always just thought that is his look is so sick. <laughs> I was like I'd never seen anyone skate in those pants or pants with pa- pants with patches or anything. But I, when you said patches, that was the first thing I thought of was Simon in those those NBA patch pants, and I was like, damn. Yeah, yeah. clips. Yeah, that those are those are legendary. Yeah. Yeah, like the that, the pants with the NBA franchises, like the the. Yeah, that shit is legendary. Damn. So I, we should make a skate version of that pant where you just start looking at Depop. Every 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 skate brand <laughs> on some jeans would be like, so man. funny. <laughs> Totally. Who could rock those? Even Mackie? <laughs> that would be big. Yeah, who could, who could pull that off? That's a good question. If we if we made baggy jeans that had 30-plus skate brands on them, who who would be the person that could be the catalyst to bring that to the world? The person who would bring it to the world is Virgil. That's like a total Virgil thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all like 90s skate brand logos. And yeah, maybe no. it's maybe like across the ass it says skate brand or whatever. It's a million dollar idea. You might have to cut the, the <laughs> Yeah, Virgil. Guess, that's like a million dollar idea. Like Yeah, Virgil, Virgil listens. To... So it, it would, well, yeah, I mean I'm I'm a I'm a Virgil fan. We we speak sometimes through CCS because he's a big CCS fan and I'm the CCS brand director, so we have a little DM correspondence every now and then, and I'm so outside of that world, but he seems like a nice guy. He's a skate fan, which is cool. Yo, how about a box trade? Box for a box. He sends you a box, you send him a box. <laughs> my, my box is about to be like three by three that I get. Like, I don't know. Like, See if they got like some vintage CCS catalogs or something like that, like from back from our you. <laughs> send a bunch of those. Uh, send like uh, some Adidas's. For, you know, yeah. Send some Nike's. Send like, you know, a couple yeah. boards, something like that. Just like, just make him feel like a teenager again, you know? Yo, <laughs> yeah, Virgil, Virgil, if you're listening, um, we wouldn't mind receiving an off-white box or a, or a Louis box. Yo, what yo, Louis, Vuitton, <laughs> Louis Vuitton, mostly skateboarding collab. You guys need the uh, the views, the views shoe. I'm uh, I kind of, I'm, I'm like tempted to buy them and just skate them just to see what they're. I just want to see how how well they did at like a Louis Vuitton skate shoe. Yo, yeah, I'm actually, super interested you know, to like <laughs> check those out. Wait, is that the um the fucking Lucy and Clark uh, pro yeah. model? Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's I think that's what he called them, the views or views or something like that, because that's yeah, his yeah, uh, yeah. his his photo stuff is like the dark Clark views. Wait, but, you guys uh, don't carry them at CCS? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I, I I want to. I I I have no shame. I reached out. I was like, Virgil, what's up? Can we get these? But apparently, Louis pretty uh strict on distribution, so I don't know. It's uh, let's just say it's still in the works. Maybe it'll happen if he hears this. Maybe he'll feel a little pressure. He'll be like, you know, yeah, you like Virgil. Do. I, I know you got a private jet on standby. You could come pick everybody <laughs> up. Y'all get COVID tested. And like, yo, it could be Louis Vuitton mostly skateboarding or off-white mostly skateboarding. Right? Yo, it could be it's it like, could be uh, lick. What a funny place to be like, hey, I'll collab with either of your brands. <laughs> like, like, I don't even have a brand. <laughs> like, it's like mostly skateboarding live from uh, Turks and Caicos or whatever. Oh, hell's yeah. Oh, hell's yeah. <laughs> they got I ledges see... down there? Uh, there's, they, there's ledges God, everywhere. Like, People got to sit somewhere. True, Yo, true. Popcorn shrimp for days. I want to see Virgil's like. I want to see his version of the Jonah Hill kickflip sequence. I want to see. <laughs> I, I want to see what he's got. I always. I, I have some buddies that are in like the comedy world that skate, and we always talk about who's the best skating celebrity. We're like, who is it? Like, there's there's got to be some sleeper celeb who's out there who's like can come out with like a switch tray and blow everyone's mind. And I'm like, how Yo, sick would it be? Hold up, it's that guy, uh, Jason Momoa. I think yeah, he skates. I think he skates mini ramp and shit. Yeah. Well, there's that dude from The Walking Dead who, like, is legit a skater. Oh, yeah. He's uh, the blonde dude, right? Yeah, the guy with the burnt face on the show. Yeah, he's a... But I don't know. I can't think of his... Has he put out clips? Have I seen... I guess that's always his. I'm like, oh, you're a skater, but I want to see the footage, you know? I feel like I saw him do, like, a big spin flip or something. He was on, like, I don't know, maybe the Nine Club or something. (laughs) I I don't know. That's respect. If he can do a big, I mean, when I saw that Justin Bieber could do an inward heel flip, I was like, I've never, I wouldn't hate <laughs> on that dude at all. I was like, that if you can inward heel flip, you are a skateboarder. Like, I don't give a fuck what else you do. Like, I will give it to you. That is not a non-skate. That's like a fringe skater trick. 
Oh yeah, and his pants, his pants game, and I think he was wearing some S, some brown uh, SSLs maybe. Like yeah. I was just like, yo, his, I was like, first of all, where'd you get those jeans, Bieber? Because like that's, the fit yeah, was in- that's his brand, like that's his like Andrew brand or whatever. I was trying to get some or whatever because they look this, like uh, this like is type. Immaculate, like he looked like he could be somebody like just like chilling in uh, like Etnies high five something like that. Yeah, yeah, he could fit in. He could. I love that he just runs the the S like. I love S and I, I love Don and all that whole crew, but I just feel bad like kind of like the main the main chunk of skating has like given up on all the you know the shoe brands and shit or whatever. And I love that Bieber is like just down like he's just like the dude holding it down for S. You're like, well, I don't know, a bunch of skaters wearing Nikes, but like Bieber's wearing S, so like that's pretty sick. <laughs> that is pretty rad. Those guys got to be stoked on that. Uh, which brings us to the end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on. Sounds good. All right, uh, so we're this week. I'm stoked on Spitfire Wheels, straight out of San Francisco, California. I'm stoked on uh, all of the drug decriminalization and legalization ballot uh, initiatives that were approved by voters this week. Um, fuck a drug war. Wait, and- hold up, hold up for just like so in Oregon, every drug is decriminalized. Every single drug, like coke, angel dust whatever i mean you still get a fine and stuff but it's like you're not gonna go to jail for it yeah so so be safe out there and um pretty free to homies real talk Uh, we've wasted enough money for the last 50 years um and i'm stoked on the new issue of thrasher matt what are you stoked on this oh man i am stoked on uh their skateboards right now they're getting me they are they are there but uh, they're getting me hyped. Uh, we just got my my friend Marby just turned pro for them, and she is one of the raddest skaters out right now. And we just bought both of her boards for our home. Got those in the mail, and that was cool. And they just do they just do these rad trips. Jeff Chung over there just like I think he just like sells his art and then pays to take a whole crew to like Paris or New York and like roll fifteen deep. And like I just they're all on this trip right now in New York, and I see all their posts, and they just get me so hyped. It just reminds me of like the way skating's supposed to be. And uh, I don't know. They're just a good crew. That's been getting me hyped in skating. Um, outside, I don't know if I'm supposed to do an outside of skating one or not. But uh, in general, I guess fucking, I don't know. I'm hyped that I'm not hyped on anything political. Actually, I take it back. I'm just gonna stick with there. There's what's getting <laughs> me hyped right now. Templeton, what are you hyped on? Uh, this week, I'm stoked on another podcast because you can only listen. You know, you probably only want to listen to this podcast like once a day. Um, so for the other hours, uh, I suggest a podcast called How Long Gone. It's with Chris Black and this guy, um, Jason Stewart. Uh, oh, been... yeah. Listen to that. Those guys are funny, dude. Yeah, it's like I just need a break from all the hard news. They're, they're just like a good kind of like pop culture show. They talk to a lot of writers on their episodes, and including some skate Twitter homies like Willie Staley and Jeff Ihanza. So um, check that out. They've also talked to uh, other pop culture figures like the Cobra Snake and Whitney Port from The Hills. So if any of that shit is interesting to you, definitely check it out. Jason, what are you stoked on this week? Uh, This week, uh, still stoked on venture trucks out of uh, San Francisco, California. By the way, uh, Independent has been promoting the new mid-truck. I did some rudimentary internet research before this podcast, and... There's only like a 0.5 millimeter difference between um, the venture highs and the independent mid. So just like, you know, make your own decision based on your own preference or whatever. But that, I'm just putting um, putting the facts out there. You know what I mean? Venture, uh, about the venture trucks. Also, I too am stoked on a, um, another podcast, a fellow skate podcast, um, the new Tom Snape episode on the bunt. Definitely one of my favorite skaters. He's kind of like a super like Eurotech type of guy, but he's from New Zealand, like super chill dude, pretty psyched on his uh, recent episode of Bunt. Also stoked on a uh, Keith Elfnagel tribute video that I guess, I think RB edited. And I think it was put, I think it was posted like through Huff, the uh, clothing company, like super sick. Like what the fuck else can you say about that guy? And um, it had like, actually it actually had footage of Huff like doing a front side nose slide the regular on the Huff Ledge, which was a transworld cover back in like 1993 or whatever, and a spot at which I spent a, uh, a lot of time back in New York. Back in New York, so uh, pretty stoked on that. Nice. Well, 
That's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out MostlySkateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes. Until next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Matt, where can the people find you? Oh, on Instagram, I am at PriceyHot. And then that's pretty much it. GoldenHour.online is where you can pick up the mags uh, and see all that stuff. And that's all. Nice. Uh, Patrick, where can the people find you? Y'all can find me on Twitter at Colonel K Speaks and on Instagram at P Kigongo. Jason, where can the people find you? On the Twitter at Carbonite1994, on uh, the Instagram at Frozen Carbonite, and writing stuff for uh, quartersnacks.com. Maybe new stuff next week, probably, but definitely some new shit for uh, fourth quarter. Damn, you just don't year. quit. Listen, Man, you got to miss. You gotta keep you gotta keep putting shit out there. That's my whole thing. Like, you might sound stupid or whatever. Stay relevant, you know. Yeah, Flood the streets. Gotta gotta feed the block. But Templeton, what are you? Where, where can the people find you? <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Twitter at mostly skate and on Instagram at mostly skateboarding. We'll see you guys next week. Later. Later.